Hey fans, before we get going, just wanted to send out a reminder that you can head to anchor.fm slash Wolverine Sounds, where you can choose to support this podcast, or you can send us voice messages. We certainly appreciate either. So head over to anchor.fm slash Wolverine Sounds. Please show us some love. Now let's get on to the show. is the Go Blue Crew. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 96 of the Go Blue Crew. Today we're going to be looking at Michigan, Wisconsin. The Badgers are number 13, Wolverines number 11, although if you watch these two teams play the first couple weeks of the season, you would guess at the very least those numbers would be flipped and perhaps that Michigan would be farther down in the rankings, closer to maybe like 20 or something, but... That's the situation heading into the third game of the season. I'm looking at ESPN, Derek, and uh, this matchup predictor using the Football Power Index shows Wisconsin with a 70.2% chance chance to to win this game. And um, I know we we say it every time we talk about numbers. That's not the the end-all, be-all, but it certainly does tell you where these two teams are early in the season. So the first thing I think we got to talk about is kind of the thing that's just been floating around out there. Are you nervous about this Saturday? Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I feel like I was, when you look at the, the schedule and it's the fourth week after a bye and you looked at who Michigan played in weeks one and week two, maybe preseason, I, I thought I would have had more confidence going into this game. Uh, last year it was, a a game where it felt like Michigan was due for a big victory against Wisconsin uh, and, and won 38-13 to 13 in, in dominating fashion. Uh, but with, like you mentioned, with with the way that both teams have looked uh, in the two games they've played, it's it's really been polar opposite. Wisconsin hasn't allowed a point. Um, and, and again, against maybe lesser tier teams, um, but uh, Michigan's look like they've struggled a little bit. And so with some of the... Uh, the offensive struggles and uh, and the, the holes in the defense and, and looking for some guys to step up at some key positions and then just the way Wisconsin's looked scoring the ball uh, with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, it's one of those games where you don't have a lot of confidence heading into it, so naturally uh, probably a bit more nervous than I thought I'd be. Yeah, Wisconsin beat South Florida 49-0 and then Central Michigan 61-0. Uh, Central Michigan lost, I'm, I'm sure, heard a bunch of people who are Michigan fans because a good number of them, it seems like are central Michigan alums. So this could be a chance at a little bit of a redemption just on a personal level. If you're you know out there and you went to central Michigan and you mentioned Jonathan Taylor, the good thing when you look at Wisconsin and, and prepare for what's coming is like, you kind of know, you, you, you pretty much know what's coming. It's going to be a steady dose of Jonathan Taylor. Probably not going to turn the ball over. Um, at all, you know, maybe like one, uh, uh, hasn't been an interception. I, I don't think there's been a fumble, but it's, it's just a, a clean power heavy team that worries me because of what we talked about a couple weeks ago with Michigan's defensive line, um, being a little thin. There've been some times where they haven't gotten, um, very much pressure on a quarterback or or 
offensive lines have been able to create a lot of gaps using that defensive line that you would think would be superior to, you know, a team like Middle Tennessee State or, or even Army. So that's where the the big worry for me comes from, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I mean, I know I'm not alone in that, and you know, being a little afraid of Jonathan Taylor. I just worry that this thing is going to turn into like a like a thorough beating that maybe doesn't look totally lopsided on the scoreboard because against quality teams, that's, that's usually not the way Wisconsin wins. It's just going to be one of those things, again, I worry, that uh, makes it look like Michigan was just never in it. It's going to feel that way, that that Michigan just never had a shot. Yeah, I mean, one of the things you run into is Wisconsin wants to control the ball, control the possessions, and you saw how Michigan struggled taking uh, advantage of possessions against Army, uh, especially with limited possessions. And it seems like the recipe here is easy. You stop Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and you limit turnovers and you win. Uh, but I would say that Wisconsin's defense is really, really good. Uh, Jack Cohn, who took over for Alex Hornibrook after he uh, what seemed like randomly transferred uh, to Florida State, has looked really good. And again, uh, not against the toughest opponents, but uh, he's he's put up some good numbers and really I think is rating second highest uh, behind Justin Fields, who's looked phenomenal for Ohio State. And so you'd think that if you slow down Jonathan Taylor, that that's the answer. And and while it could be, what I will say about Jonathan Taylor is he's just really hard to slow down. Even last year when Michigan won 38-13 to 13 at home in a game that's similar to what you're describing that Wisconsin could do to Michigan this year, just never uh, really let Wisconsin in it last year, he still rushed for 100 yards on, on 17 carries. Uh, the year before, he played really well, 19 carries, 132 yards. Uh, and I feel like no matter what, he's going to to get his. He's going to get his carries. He's going to make his plays where he's been most effective, not most effective, where he probably will be most effective in this game is in the pass game uh, and ha- helping out that new quarterback uh, because he's really been uh, great for the passing attack and he's he's able to beat you carrying the ball and receiving the ball. And I think that that's where you'll probably see that big play, that setup screen for Jonathan Taylor, who's just so elusive, uh, and is just has the best vision probably in college football right now as a running back. And so that's where I feel like even if they can uh, stop him from uh, those 7, 10, 15-yard carries, uh, that he can just as easily beat Michigan's defense uh, with a passing attack and help out his quarterback. So it's going to be uh, a, a big challenge for the defense, and you've really got to hope that the offense on the other end can finally put something together that we've been waiting to see. I want to correct something here. Um, Wisconsin has two fumbles on the season, so they've lost two turnovers. Their uh, turnover margin is, uh, let's see, I think it's plus plus two. So there you go. Um, I I learned today that this, okay, so this is something, before I even get into it, this is something that I feel like we all knew on some level, even if we didn't know it for a fact. But I learned for a fact that, Michigan has not won as an underdog with Jim Harbaugh. And the last time Michigan won period as an underdog was some years ago against Northwestern. I feel like I remember that game, uh, but, but Michigan was, I can't remember the exact year, but, but Michigan was an underdog 2013. Um, and, and they beat Northwestern. So I mean, this right? Am I right? That, first of all, this is something that you feel like, oh yeah, that's that's definitely true. 
Yeah, so I think that, I mean, hearing, I think it was 0-6 against, or when when it's against uh, the favorite. Under Harbaugh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I feel like that definitely rings true right away when you hear it. Um, I wouldn't have guessed Northwestern, though I can picture that game. I want to guess it was a road game. Um, and, and I, yeah, I do at, remember at Northwestern. Yeah. I do remember that game pretty well, actually. Um, uh, man, what a, what a year that was 2013, but, but <laughs> nonetheless, yeah, no, that's not surprising because, uh, if you think of the favorites he's faced and I, I haven't seen the, the breakdown of all six teams, but it's likely, uh, there's a lot of Ohio state in there might be some bowl games in there. Uh, I can't remember if they were a uh, favorite against Wisconsin when they lost, um, last time they played at Camp Randall or not, but not surprising. I doubt it. I doubt it because if you remember, um, last time they were at Camp Randall, um, who uh, uh, Peters Brandon Peters was the quarterback. Michigan was like in the middle of a letdown season. I I can't imagine they were favored in that game. Yeah, so I I mean it's pretty obvious that you know that that's true. I I think that. Um, a lot of people would would probably guess that if you look at uh, who those opponents are, are be would be that were favored, uh, but I do think that this is a, a great opportunity to kind of flip that script and uh, and as an underdog uh, beat a team, and it's another good opportunity for for Harbaugh to uh, win a big road game. I mean, this would be a a significant road win potentially, if not his biggest for sure. Uh, and I and I feel like when you have an opportunity like this. Um, taking taking advantage of it, and, and hopefully Michigan comes out and looks a lot better than they did in weeks one and week two. I think that will say a lot about the direction the program's heading uh, this season because uh, it can give you that extra confidence if if finally you, you see something on the field that looks as it was advertised over the summer when Josh Gaddis joined, especially on the offensive side. So we'll see. I think it's going to be a brutal game in a lot of ways. Uh, I think it's going to be a game that – uh, hopefully is close no matter what the end result is. Hopefully it's not one of those where, like you said, where where Wisconsin just pulls ahead and never really feels like Michigan has a chance. Those are really frustrating to watch. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you've got to take advantage of, of the opportunity to beat a good team on the road. And I think if Michigan does, that will say a lot for where they can head this season. So when it comes to John Runyon, offensive tackle, and uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jim Harbaugh said yesterday he's not sure if they'll be available of the two of them, Peoples Jones seems like the clear, clear cut favorite. Like if you're going to pick a guy who you really want back, and do you think though that, that like he actually gives this offense like a a boost or a different element, something that we haven't seen yet? It seems like because of the talent at wide receiver that John Runyon with his experience would be more important for protecting the quarterback and helping. Okay, run game. I well I stand corrected then, but. With that being said, yes, I think he makes an incredible impact. And I'm hoping that that's the reason that the, the receiving core and Shea Patterson haven't looked as good as maybe maybe you thought. I mean, you, you put him out there, it definitely doesn't hurt. I, I will say that I am confident that he is Michigan's best option at receiver. I think Nico Collins is the most sure-handed uh, and maybe a big play down the field type guy. I think Tariq Black is is really reliable. Uh, Ronnie Bell's uh, turned out some good games uh, in his short career as a Wolverine. But I think you put DPJ out there uh, with Nico Collins, Ronnie Bell, really anyone else that you want to have join them on the field. And I think the passing game changes tremendously. I think that 
because DPJ had such a great season last year um, and him and Shea Patterson got a lot of reps in uh, live on the field, I think that that just provides kind of an extra cushion for Shea and it really frees up a guy like Nico Collins or, or like Tariq Black to, to, to get open because so many people are worried about uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones and assuming he's going to be the punt returner, which they really need some help uh, returning punts. Um, that could be uh, obviously ginormous as well. And so I would say that Donovan Peoples-Jones is more important uh, because of the playmaking ability, but um, having John Runyon in there too uh, definitely would help. So the only reason I really asked is because Michigan hasn't, they didn't throw the ball a whole lot against Army. And, you know, Nico Collins, like people were complaining that he only got I want to say like four targets or something, which is just ridiculous. Like whatever the number was, it was way too low. And so if you bring in another receiver, like the first thing that needs to happen is you need to throw the ball more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who knows like what kind of, um, what was going through coaches minds heading up against army. I mean, that's just a, that's a, that's a very unique challenge. I understand, but you have these great weapons on the outside and we haven't even mentioned Nick Eubanks, you know, this, this tight end, like a great receiving tight end who, you know, you could, you could put out there and he's practically a receiver. Um, just this, all this talent and, and is Michigan actually going to like try to utilize it? My, I mean, my inclination is, is yes. It's just, you, you would have to be like sabotaging the team at this point if you didn't let your playmakers go out there and get the football. But it is something to to pay attention to, I think, like especially early. You know, what kind of tone is Michigan gonna try to set? If if you have guys like Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples Jones, Tariq Black, Ronnie Bell, Nick Eubanks, if you, if you have these guys out there, you got to use them. You absolutely have to use them. So that and, and if they don't, I might throw something through the TV. Might get a little violent. But that's that's where I'm standing, and that's why I asked because it's not a uh, not a foregone conclusion that Michigan is actually going to throw the ball around. So I'm hoping one of the things that's kept us, I think there might be two things that potentially have kept us from seeing um, Shea Harrison throw the ball. Actually, now I have three things. So hopefully it's not his health, but that could could have been a factor. Um, the other thing is I think the opponents, I think week one you weren't going to see a lot of the speed and space, newly advertised stuff, even though the offense looked like it struggled. It seems like their plan was to keep the, the game plan really simple, knowing that they should have no trouble beating Middle Tennessee State. I think that all the turnovers, uh, penalties, false starts, all the pre-snap penalties that they had against Army and the way Army defended and, and uh, really kind of shook Michigan uh, and really should have beat Michigan. I think that that probably messed with the game plan. Uh, ben Bredesen is on record saying that, hey, there's a lot of things going on. It's obviously different in practice, and we've seen how to react to things live in game, and so there'll be some adjustments. Talked about how the bye week helps that. They want to clean up those turnovers. And so I would hope that one of the reasons we haven't seen as much is because even though Michigan did a decent job of moving the ball down the field in, in both games, it seemed like a turnover or just a bad mistake uh, kind of really limited what they what they could do. And so maybe if you can correct some of those mistakes, hang on to the ball, maybe you see things spread out a little bit more and you see some of those weapons get used because if Shea Patterson's going to fumble the ball at the 50-yard line, you don't even have a chance to throw it to Nico Collins in the end zone. And so I'm hoping that that's part of it. So clean up 
on the offensive side a little bit, and maybe we'll see more of these plays. I'm going to throw out a hypothetical, and I just want you to to tell me if this is absolutely ridiculous or if there's even a sliver of a possibility that this could happen. We've seen Zach Charbonnet run really well through two games. Um, his yards per carry was obviously not great against Army. It took him way too much, like 30 carries or something, to get to 100 yards. But he had three touchdowns. Is there any possibility that there's some kind of um, like a duel in this game between him and Jonathan Taylor where you're watching both running backs and you're like, dang, like those guys are really impressive? I think you look at Jonathan Taylor and you expect it. Uh, and especially if he plays well, I think you say, well, yeah, like figured this would happen. I think you look at Zach Charbonnet and say, wow, like he's got a little bit of Jonathan Taylor in him or he has the potential to, to have a career like Jonathan Taylor's had. If you look at them through um, the year just on ESPN, obviously you've got to take into account that Jonathan Taylor – uh, one has less carries because he hasn't had to play as much, and Wisconsin hasn't needed him to to play well when they've beaten teams forty nine and sixty one to zero. But he's got thirty five carries for two hundred and thirty some yards, and I think five touchdowns. Zach Charbonnet, even though he had most of his carries against Army, has one hundred and ninety yards and three touchdowns. And so Jonathan Taylor will be the better back this year. Uh, likely will have the the better career unless Zach Charbonnet can continue to improve it's just really hard to touch some of these Wisconsin running backs that they've had in history but I think we'll see two really talented backs one having an advantage especially with the experience but hopefully Michigan fans and even Wisconsin fans will take a look at Zach Charbonnet and say hey this kid's going to be really special and if he turns out having a big game um, obviously big uh, big advantage for Michigan uh, if they can turn and hand the ball off I think that will really help the passing game uh, and really give something that, that Wisconsin maybe they're probably worried about it. I mean, I'm sure they've seen the tape and say, hey, this kid can ball. But, I mean, if he can really continue to improve quickly, like he seems like he might, I mean, what a weapon he's going to be. So this is something that we pretty much have to talk about every week now heading into a, another game. How much will Dylan McCaffrey play? What role will he play? Um how often will he be in there? Which I guess now that I say it is the same thing as how much will he play? I should have said, et cetera. You get where I'm going. What is Dylan McCaffrey's role in this game? What do you think? It's tough because I expected more of him in, against army. Uh, and because it was a close game, maybe they kind of, I don't know, trotted away from that game plan. But I do think we'll see him more than, than the one player, whatever it was against army. How often he'll be utilized, I'm not sure, but I would like to see him in there, and I would like to see Michigan try something, maybe with the two-quarterback package um, early in the game to try to throw Wisconsin off. Uh, I think that if he is, again, one of the the best offensive weapons you have, you've got to give him a chance. Um, What I don't want is this back-and-forth um, kind of musical chairs rotating uh, on the same possession. If you're going to let him go out there to, to start a possession, I'd almost rather just let him, let him stay out there. If he's really struggling, then put Shea Patterson in. But I don't. what I don't want to see is Shea Patterson ripped from a possession, especially if Michigan's driving the ball. Um, but I would like to see him at some point in some fashion. Uh, just kind of curious to, to what it's going to look like. And I think that this is a good opportunity on the road to, to show some stuff if you think you got it. I have no idea what to expect because it seemed pretty clear to me last week that Shea Patterson is not 100% healthy. 
healthy enough to play, obviously, healthy enough to go through a full game other than the the player two he missed when he went down, maybe a cramp or something. But since, you know, it just definitely looked like he wasn't totally healthy, I was wondering, like, why wasn't there more Dylan McCaffrey in there? I understand it was a close game, and maybe he didn't want to deviate from, like, a, a simple ground attack very much, but... He is a very good athlete who makes who who makes good decisions. You know, I can't recall a time he like was loose with the ball or or you know, made me nervous with it. I mean, I guess he did he did cough up the ball. I think against Middle Tennessee State, but that was you know uh, I I don't want to put too much blame on it. That was a really hard hit, and the ball went straight out of bounds. So you know, against Wisconsin, like I just don't know what to expect because. Of, of all the times you would think a really good backup quarterback would be in there, it would be when your starter is not feeling totally healthy. And especially when the offense is very stagnant as it was uh, against Army. So I, I guess whatever happens, I, I really won't be surprised because we've kind of seen it both ways now through two games. And um, I, I think I, I think I said after the first game against Middle Tennessee State, my my goal here is to to be able to know by this point in the season, or, or you know maybe maybe next week against Rutgers, to have a good feeling like okay, I know based on what we've seen in the past, Dylan McCaffrey's probably coming in for this drive, and they're going to see if they can get something going on the ground with him and like Zach Charbonnet and the running backs. There's absolutely none of that predictability. Maybe that's kind of what they're going for, but I I knew that um, just from the first time I saw it against Middle Tennessee State, it looked chaotic, like there was no order to it, no rhyme or reason to a lot of the stuff. And so, you know, maybe it'll be like that against Wisconsin. Maybe we won't even see him at all. Maybe maybe we're done redefining the role of a starting quarterback. I don't know. I just think um, – I think it's it's gonna probably drive fans crazy one way or the other. That is the sure constant. Yeah, I feel like last thing on that before we wrap up, it's just it seems like one of those things where they want to try it, but maybe we're afraid to try it in a close game. Uh, maybe afraid to try it and have it not work and 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 worry about um, kind of ruining momentum on a drive. I mean, what what tells me or what I've what I've learned so far is that they must not be confident enough because you're exactly right. If we didn't see it, even as much as we thought we would against middle Tennessee state, uh, didn't see it at all against army, then how confident are you that, uh, what you have that you thought you figured out or re- redefining the role or whatever you want to say about it. I mean, how confident are you to, to try to u- utilize it? Um, if you're not even willing to, to try it in the first two games. And so the first game, it just looked confusing and left a lot of questions. Second game, like you mentioned, it's like, okay, where where is it? Where is he? Uh, and so maybe with the bye week, they've worked on that too, and and we will see him. But again, I, I just want it to be uh, – I want it to be early. I, I wouldn't want to try something late. I mean, you've got to establish whether or not it's going to work right away. Uh, and so if we do see Dylan McCaffrey, I think it's going to be first quarter, first few possessions. And if we don't, then I'd be very surprised to see him the rest of the way. All right, before we go here, uh, we got a final score prediction. You know, I'm going to go with 24 to 17, Michigan. Okay. I'm a little surprised you said Michigan. I'm going 28 17, Wisconsin. So, similar margin, 
different winners. We'll check back on it next week. Anything else you want to say to the fans? Before Just we say that, that my score is more of a hope. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we knew that. Yeah, yeah. we knew that. We've, we've seen uh, two games, two from each team. We, we know that, we, that you were, you're hoping here. And hey, we all are. I'm just trying to be correct. I care about being correct. So thanks for checking us out on the Go Blue Crew. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Ty underscore Fenwick. You can follow Derek at Divine Identity. Uh, I'm going to go with get Derek here. I'm hoping against hope for a Michigan win against Wisconsin this Saturday. Go Blue. Go Blue.